You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Hello and welcome to Elsner's, a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague and joining me is Corey Scott. And for all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, go to gncast.com. And as a warning on Elsner's, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and swear liberally. Yes, like a makeout session with Aziz Ansari, we're not for everybody. (laughs) So... Do you need some recovery time? No, no, because I was gonna go into I was gonna go into uh, into that a little bit more, but no, no, there's like, no reason no, to. There's no, no reason like, to. Like we we did that last week, and I'm I'm of the mindset of let's not do that because I made I made, I made the horrible joke, yeah. and now we move on. Speaking of corrections, we have some like I think this came out the day after we recorded. Um, in all honesty, this this news. The news is that our elsewords from last week where we talked about the movies that were coming out, some changes have already been made to that. Deadpool 2 and the New Mutants have moved their dates. So um, Deadpool 2 is moving up two weeks from June 1st to May 18th. And the New Mutants is moving from April 13th to February 22nd, 2019. Oh, and also the other news is that Gambit is seeing its release date move from Valentine's Day 2019 to June 7th, 2019. It's moving from halfway up Channing Tatum's <laughs> ass to all the way up Channing Tatum's ass. Yeah. So that one it's which is not a bad uh, place to be. Yeah, I I agree with what you what you said in in the pre-show of until we get more out of it like a I'll, I'll go so far as a teaser trailer. I don't care what date they set because that's right now it's a goal. Basically, it's a game of flag football that you play in the park right now. And they're like, oh, well, we're not going to make this goal. So we're just going to move it back a little bit further. So we have more time here. But the just real fast. Yeah. At this point in time, which film has lost more directors Gambit or The Flash? Because I feel like they've both gone through three, right? They've gone through three different directors. like. Ben Affleck's the Batman movie hasn't gone through that many directors yet. It just it's still just piss in the wind at this point, like a yeah, lot yeah. of DC's output. But the Gambit thing, it's like it came out of nowhere with Tatum wanting to do it. And it was, oh, what a weird thing. But yeah, I don't see him as Gambit, but he could he could probably do all right. He, he's in, he's been impressive in enough things that yeah. I wouldn't put anything past him at this point. You know, I I am. Definitely, I'm not the the giant Tatum fan, but I I like his output. I think that even if you go back to his little, uh, yeah, I was gonna say dance off with your pants off, uh, <laughs> then 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 sure, you know he's he's always shown talent. I didn't like him getting killed in the second. So I spoilers, uh, GI Joe because I was like the guy's earned his his due. He he should be a part of this. And it was just it was kind of unnecessary to to move their franchise over to The Rock, which is okay. But I thought a Rock Channing Tatum movie that could have been fucking gangbusters, especially in hindsight. But yeah, 
this movie just keeps not happening. And at some point, he's going to be frustrated enough to not be into it. And with the the situation of Fox getting acquired by Disney, how much are they really into this? How much should they be into it? Is, is it something that they're really like aching for? If we need this Gambit movie, you know, or or do we service Tatum in another way? I mean, he's done such great movies taking place in space. He's got to be in a Star War. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um anyways because i wasn't going to focus on that one because again that's so far out that it's i mean it's it's in video game terms this is duke nukem forever or as i like to call the new duke nukem forever red dead redemption 2 because that game gets pushed back so many times it's uh, it's the kids that you bully in the game bully also made by rockstar games but i was instead i was going to talk about the other two movies because it's really interesting because last week they when they uh, with how they were going there was a good month between the two uh no two months between deadpool 2 and new mutants here in america but what did it because i I read an article the next day i'm like oh well okay that's great they got moved for the change of the studios to avoid having an overlap with X-Men movies in certain overseas markets where New Mutants and Deadpool 2 would have ha- would have been in theaters at the same time. So basically they don't want the fact that one thing's going to eat the lunch of another. It's like they want to get all the money they can out of New Mutants and all the money they can out of Deadpool 2, especially with those. I mean, there is overlap with those things because they're both rated R movies. They're both going to appeal more to the adult audiences as opposed to the kids. Well, unless, I, unless the kids are like you were growing up. Well, no. so <laughs> if they were like me growing up, then right now they're practically dead. Um, <laughs> but no, it, I don't. I, I look at the new mutants and yes, it it's I expect it's R rated. It, it, it is a horror themed kind of superhero movie is is what we've seen. But I still see teenagers wanting to see it because it's their peers. They're a good likely audience for it, just in the same way that teens might have watched it although it is taking place with younger kids okay i when i say kids i mean below teenager not teens because right i mean i was going to see r-rated movies when i was 12 but then again i also look like i was 27 at the age of 12 but i'm a little bitter not just because i'm i'm excited for a a new mutants movie but because we've seen essentially a trailer for it we've seen more footage of that than we've seen of deadpool so to have it be pushed back eight months, yeah, it's really, really off-putting. It 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 feels like either they don't Time have months. confidence in it, or they're they're just they're willing to sacrifice it, or because they want to see what else is going on with this deal with Disney. I'm not sure. They moved Deadpool into the slot that I believe is between the Han Solo solo film hashtag Red Cup and. What new the new Avengers movie? Is that what's coming out on the other side of it? I believe so. Yeah, but I mean, even I, I I think a lot of people might be looking too much into these into these things because of the Marvel Fox deal. I don't feel like like Gambit is the one. Okay, I could see it happening because they haven't gotten like they they have a writer on it who's written a script. They just need Gambit is a fart in an elevator nobody's riding in right now. But the other one, like pushing back New Mutants, I think they uh, they probably looked at you know moving it up as well. Like okay, they're probably thinking okay, we can't get that, we can't get it edited in time for that. Moving it back, they're like, well, there's no other movies that we feel like we could go up against and win. So I just, th- I just I don't buy the first one. I do buy the second one. 
I, yeah. I do I do believe that if you're in a heavy year of so many other superhero properties anyways, but that was always going to be the case. It's not going to get better. It's not like there's going to be less superhero movies coming out next year. Not just superhero movies. Not just superhero movies, though. I'm talking about like other Fox movies. Because, again, we go with the whole them not wanting to eat their own lunch. Oh, is, is there a... Is there a goddamn bullshit Brian Singer travesty of X-Men coming out this year, too? Is, is, is the Jean Grey, like, is fucking Phoenix again movie coming up? Is that what's happening? Yeah. Uh, yeah, God Dark, damn it. Dark Phoenix was this, is coming right. out in, like, October, November. So if, in some stupid way, New Mutants, like, somehow spins out of the new X-Men movie, then maybe that no. could make sense to me. But no, I, I think it's, I think it's gonna be separate. And then the the other part is that obviously this is what obviously happened. I'm blanking on her name, but uh, Sansa Stark obviously wanted to get her movie out before Arya. She's already had one. But no, like these two, they're like coming out, boom, same year. Be like, no, I want mine out first. She already had one. I'm not counting the other. You're not Dark Phoenix. Don't don't be dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the Dark Phoenix movie, the one that already had a cover, right. even though it's not coming out until end of the year, where they're like, oh, look, look, this is Sophie Turner. You know, we have her in Entertainment Weekly talking about this movie, and it's coming out, and then uh, it, it was a horrible joke. You, you just had to kill it. Thank you, Corey. That, That's what I do. <laughs> I bring the death to humor. Yeah, you know, it's 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 fine. I, I think if you, if you want to go with your best foot forward right now, showing some strength with Deadpool 2, shows that Fox hasn't fucked everything up yet. So maybe it makes them look a little bit more palatable on the on the buy-in of the let's let's make sure this Disney thing really goes through uh by showing them the one thing that we've actually struck hot fucking coals with. And seeing Deadpool sooner than later doesn't suck. It's certainly the first one was a lot of fun. I expect this next one to be a lot of fun. It's introducing some great characters that I'm I'm excited for. It should be great. But I, I, man, as much as I don't have an interest in any more of the Singer X-Men films, I was building an interest for the New Mutants movie. And yeah. I, I just, I'm not, not pleased that it got pushed back in the way that it did. But in the end, as long as it comes out, man, don't fuck with me. So in don't other, uh, yeah, part two. True. But in other Marvel slash comics news, Brian Michael Bendis has finished writing his Miles Morales story. That's one of the new bits of news that came out that is not what we're going to be talking about though because they've been and i have to say i have to honestly applaud both sides of this uh with marvel and dc for working with brian michael bendis because he had that health scare earlier this year so so you know the timetables for him ending at marvel and coming to dc were a little bit thrown up in the air but yeah so it looks like um he wrapped up spider-man 2 he's uh finished writing spider-man but we've got news as to what his first thing would be. And I want to point out, some people are saying that he's taking over. I haven't found any articles saying he is taking over the book, but that he's doing a backup story for issue 1000 of Action Comics. The, he's going to be doing, you know, the like I said, he's a backup story, actually one of a many with, and he's, I, I feel in, like this is DC's approach here with this. In this is, story, uh, which is from Screen Rant, it says uh, people have theorized it'll take over Man of the for the Man of Steel in action comics after the 1000 issue. Yeah. So the the 1000 issue will come out, finish off the storyline that I believe is it Dan Jurgens is writing the book right now. Yes, Dan Jurgens is writing right now with his story is uh, Superman and Booster Gold. 
Actually, right now they've traveled back in time. Um, Dan Jurgens is one of the creators of Booster Gold. They travel back in time to actually. actually I'm gonna I'm a back up a little bit before with this myself because Dan Jurgens has been doing a great run on Action Comics. He's been doing since DC Rebirth. He's been doing Action Comics, and the story that he's been telling has been on par with Scott Snyder for the New Fifty Two run of Batman because it's this long, overarching story, but done in like a Stephen Moffat Doctor Who sort of way, where you're not realizing it's one long, overarching story until now that we're talking about it with uh, number 1000. Yeah, which is impressive because Dan Jurgen yeah. came in green, had no experience writing Superman or many other comics to begin with. Yeah. This is, no, I'm kidding because Dan Jurgen famously has written Superman a lot and is one of the people who wrote the death of Superman in the 90s among many, many, yeah. many other Superman stories and is, is sort of in this era of like there's all these new creators and the new hot creators and stuff. Dan Jurgens is very old school and the way that Mark Wade many would see is very old school and being still prominent and still considered fresh. It, it's, it shows the experience means something, you know, creators yeah. like that still have a lot to offer in comics and, and all these, these young bucks who are not untalented still have to kind of like be compared to these guys like Jurgens or Busick uh, or any number of creators who've been around from like the 80s on and maybe even before that. It's not like it's a competition, but it is a, hey, you know, this guy has been doing this for 40 years and you've been in it for five to 10, you know, show some respect. And I, I think that they do. And I, I, I no, but yeah. I do see this as a handoff. It would make sense for Bendis, for Jurgens to finish his storyline in 1000 because uh, I'm sure it's going to be an oversized issue and then start his run at that same point in time, have him do his short story introduction and lead into what's coming next. Now, I also wonder if it's going to not only lead into what he could conceivably do in action comics, but maybe if it introduces another book that he might be doing at the same time, because one of the things that we've been waiting to come back and we don't know who would be doing it, or, or it's it's not even been remotely announced that it's going to happen, is Legion of Superheroes. And it would make sense to bring back Legion in a Superman book, since Legion started out in Superboy many, many years ago. I don't know if that's the case. I'm just really speculating at this point. But I could I could see it. So let, let me give you a little bit of backstory, or, or a little bit more information here on Action Comics number 1000. Like we have, we have Dan Jurgens that you have him with his main story. And like what I was going to say before, you have one of the backup stories is Brian Michael Bendis, his line with, I feel like this is how DC does all when they bring in a big name uh, writer. It's, oh, we'll get Jim, Jim Lee to draw for him because, you know, they did it with a few other people too. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, get the guy who, you know, is in charge of the comic book part of, of things. But then another, another backup story in here is written by the Superman team of Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. And as you were saying, they're going to probably do an oversized issue. Yes, they will be doing one. It will be dubbed Action Comics number 1080 Years of Superman. The tome will be comprised of 300 pages of new and classic content and will carry a price tag of $29.99. Well, that's not the 1000 issue. That is a hardcover collection. Yeah. Comes out at the same time. Yeah. So, but that's going to be the, that's going to be the, 1000th issue as well because that would be so much more of comic collectors to say hey here's your anniversary issue of superman it's it's the number 1000 issue we're going to charge you 30 bucks 
for no, this. No, so there's, it's it's two separate things. So they're going to have the yeah. 1000th issue, but then they're also having the hardcover collection that's going to have a bunch of stuff in it as well that they're going to do for 30 bucks. But it is going to be, I mean, right now you have, I think there's even, there might be another backstory in here too than just the two. I think there might be like three. But yeah, so I mean, it's, and but you did hit, the, hit it on the head with Brian Michael Bendis because I mean, with what we could be getting, which we won't know until issue 1000 comes out which I think doesn't come out for another couple of weeks or so. We'll, we'll probably see some leaks and stuff going into it. And and uh, do we know who's drawing his story? Oh, Jim Lee's drawing his story, but yeah. we don't know who would be drawing coming out after that. No, no. If, because yeah. Because he's working on that new hero line at DC with uh, Dan DiDio and all these people that are basically ripping off Marvel characters. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's still, it is really good to see this happen. And, you know, it's one of those things like, this could just be a, like, this is his start here at DC. We're going to give him, you know, the softballiest of starts. Not that he would need a soft, like a, you know, here's an easy start for you. But I mean, who knows? The next- uh, we, I, hopefully they will team him up with Keith Giffen. And so we can just have 30 panels a page uh, because. It- Actually, okay. <sighs> who I would like to them to team him, team up with him is because he's been doing work on a uh, young animal is his uh powers co-creator uh michael avon emming yeah i think no no no. yeah because he's been doing cave carson i'm sorry i got confused i thought i said a specific one he's been doing cave carson so you know get them partnered back together it 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 seems likely that some of the people that bennis has worked with before that are already over at dc or have left to come to dc with him uh that they're going to do projects and stuff together as well uh not that michael can't do projects without him because obviously you can uh you just mentioned one yeah. But it's 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 nice when you get those team ups because you have a team and you see something like Powers come out and you go, oh, I wonder what it would be like if these guys did this character over here or if they did this team over here. So, yeah, that that's likely. But I think it also gives him an opportunity to work with people that he's never been able to work with because they were DC exclusive. Yeah. Before. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. And I'm I, like you. I'm very happy that his health is is starting to improve and that. I, I wouldn't believe for a second that Marvel wouldn't give him the time to recover. I see the I don't, of years relationship that they've had and everything. And just in general, I don't think as as much as I may chide Marvel for some of their creative decisions, they're not dicks. Uh, no. Not not in that regard. Maybe in other ways, but but I, I think that they go, yeah, this guy uh, created Miles Morales, created the Ultimate Universe with us, has worked on almost all of our books, and uh, if we just shit on him at the last five minutes. Like Jack Kirby, motherfuckers. Then no, <laughs> we're gonna see, hear that see, for the next thirty fucking no, years. No, no, because I, I think I think you 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 have have what it could have been wrong here. I don't see it being on Marvel. I see it on being on both sides together because, like, is this Marvel, your Donald Trump moment? Yeah, obviously hold, there were hold, things done wrong on on both sides. Well, no, no. Well, let me explain here, and it might be I don't know. I mean, I do talk with my hands quite a bit, but they are a little bit bigger than his because it's one of those things like Marvel could easily go, like you just said, you know, we don't want to shit on him and all that stuff. So yes, we will let him finish his stories and instead of ending them, you know, so much earlier. But then they have to work with DC in here because DC is like, okay, well, we we want to get you started here on what you have for ideas and stuff. We've already heard your pitches, and you know, we want to get you here on these, you know four or five books, however many books they want to start out with. Well, now we got to move those back. That's going to, you know, create some turmoil here. So I feel like it was both sides working together so that it can be the smooth transition, you know, to where both sides are happy. 
I think in that case, though, DC, again, would not do that. Not just because, no. again, because I'm not, uh, I don't believe that they're just total asshats, but also because they're just hired this guy and they don't want to piss him off walking in the door. I'm sure Bendis would always have a, 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 a carte blanche in at Valiant if he wanted. <laughs> I don't think the guy's hurting for people who will give him a job. But yeah, it, it, just in general, it, DC's taken pains to to be forgiving of illness in the case of again Kurt Busiek who's had uh, several stints where he's been really really ill and it killed his output entirely but they've they've stuck with him and they've they've supported him and everything I see these corporations and they are corporations and now they're part of bigger and bigger corporations but I still think there's a lot of people there who give a shit about yeah. the people that they work with every day and are not inhuman Except for the editors of Inhuman, because, ha <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but anyways. Speaking, <laughs> Those people are just wrong. Speaking of the uh, of DC, one of the comics that has come out, it's an Elseworlds story. Actually, it got partnered up really nice with the fact that we also have Nightwing New Order, or New World Order. It's like these two Elseworlds stories that break the, break the characters in a weird in a nice interesting way so you got nightwing new world order about you know following nightwing and there's in in a logan style there's this big event that happened to where nightwing had to unleash this doomsday device where everyone with powers just like the powers are done powers are illegal all this stuff and hilarity ensues when his son has powers ha 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 oh and it's all because it's his and starfire's kid so it's like starfire's powers ramped up and no yay fun adventures good story i'm not knocking it it's just that's my pitch of how i, I had sex with an alien and somehow they had <laughs> powers <laughs> but the other one is batman white knight and this is for fans of our show i talked about the creator of this one of his previous works with mark millar with Tokyo Ghost, and this is Sean Gordon Murphy, and he talked about the creative control and future of the series. The, so the, the cool premise of Batman White Knight is... is so the, it, it's really cool. So Batman has gone so extreme with his crime fighting. The first issue, you see him chasing the Joker through the streets, taking his Batmobile, which is in the vein of... It's in a similar style to the Batmobile from Batman vs. Superman. Or even the Dark Knight trilogy, where it's more tanky than long car or anything like you know it's been in the past, and he's just going through Gotham. Like there's one point where he's just on rooftops, and you see the destruction that is going on behind him, and he's with Batgirl, who's a little bit more like in the Robin role than how she traditionally is, and she's like, and Nightwing, both of them are chasing him, going, Batman, stop! You know they're being the voice of reason, and he's just gung ho on ending crime in gotham that's all he's that's his whole mindset so he catches up to joker and force feeds him pills trying to get him to trying to overdose him to kill the joker this is all in issue one but by, by the way we were halfway through we're at issue four which came out like two weeks ago instead what it does is it cures the joker to where we have J uh, jack napier oh i was gonna say like a side of bacon <laughs> no so he's come to and he's you know, the Jack Napier side has come to and he's basically acquitted of all of his crimes because where the Joker's done heinous things, it's nothing that's really warranted jail time. And he's able to sort of talk his way out of the stuff that he's done. 
I, like I'm talking from the Gotham PD side of things. Like there's because a lot of it is he's like, well, Batman. Look what Batman said. Batman just tore down a building to stop the Joker, and he he even said he even calls it the Joker like it's another personality. So we go through issues two, three, and four where Jack Napier has a way to save Gotham. In issue four, they talk about to put it in Marvel terms, it's the funding for damage control. Like it's this like Gotham Batman destruction fund. And he goes, what if we take that and put it in with Goth with the Gotham police force in stopping uh, the vigilantes and the supervillains, but with the police force and the vigilantes can team up with them. You know, they don't need to know their identities and all this stuff. And it's really cool. It ends with, with the Joker essentially with Jack Napier offering Nightwing and Batgirl their own Batmobiles. But it's really cool. There's the twist and actually would be the one bit I would love to see them throw into main continuity. And it deals with Harley Quinn because a lot of people know you have Batman, the animated series, Harley Quinn. And then you have this modern, and I'm leaving out, I'm sort of going around the uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor, this version of Harley Quinn for the uh, video viewers. And they have, like you have the Suicide Squad version of Harley Quinn, you know, where, you know, the Margot Robbie played where it's a little bit more, she dresses a little bit more sexy and all that stuff in here, two separate, two separate Harley Quinns. You have Harleen Quinzel, who was the original, you know, in the suit, the actual know. Harlequin suit. Yeah. The Harlequin suit that you see in the animated series and all that she leaves. And then you get this origin story for the other Harley, who is the nympho sex crazed uh, stockholm syndrome victim here that's just was a really cool like i'm like all right this is a great concept here for this but this is not an else news or an else an else views topic i brought this up because of the fact that in the original scripts it called for swearing like actual swearing not just the comic book symbols covering up the swear words and it also called for a sex scene between batman and harley quinn that's the only censoring that DC did. And people were, were, were I think uh, Sean Murphy was a little worried that DC was going to censor a lot more, but he, he basically did like an AMA on Twitter where he says that he mostly collects European comics where nudity isn't a big deal. So he envisioned uh, Batman White Knight in, in that way, hoping it would be okay. But DC has the right to control their content because basically that's all they took out was you do the traditional comic book censoring of, of swearing and then you censor the nudity which he did which brought up a lot of people wanting to to release a director's cut and he, he, he even brought up the point like i mentioned before the show of going well what about the people who are buying the single issues every week if i if i if we were to release a new or announce that we were releasing a collector's edition director's cut of the book that has more pages where you know it's it's one thing to take out the you know, substitute words in for the symbols, but to put in the sex scene or scenes maybe would be something else entirely. I'm 46 years old. I'm (laughs) married. I live in an age where if you, if you want nudity, dear God, uh, it's real easy to find it. I am not a person who finds any of that interesting. Now, at the same time, I don't object to comics like heavy metal or 2000 AD or any number of things that I've always been mature readers or adult readership. Uh, When I was a kid, I accidentally bought a Dracula comic 
There was an old black and white thing that I think might have been published by Marvel's publishing house, but was definitely not for kids. <laughs> and we didn't realize it when I bought it. And all of a sudden I'm staring at boobs uh, in there. And at that point, I'm like, holy crap, there's boobs in my comic. <laughs> and then eventually I had this idea, like, Dad, I don't know if this was meant for me. But I, I don't object to stories like this being told. The rougher part of it, uh, and we talked about this a little bit uh, back in the in the days of when Deadpool was coming out, is that you have an expectation that there are comics that feature Batman that are meant to be not necessarily all ages, but meant to be of a certain age group and above. And when it gets complicated is when you have a kid come into a store and saying, my mom lets me buy Batman comics all the time. So it's okay for me to buy this Batman comic. No, that one's not okay. And and it's not like we haven't had mature stuff. I mean, The Dark Knight Returns is a mature story and it's, yeah. it's mature in theme as much as anything else. It's certainly more violent than what other Batman books were doing at the time. And over the years, I think the DC universe has done everything it can to match that. I get it. I get why some people are into this. It's just, it's not interesting to me if that's like the the director's cut is, oh, we get to see a sex scene between Batman and Harley. And I'm just so sick of like, let's throw Harley on everybody's dick. Bruce Tim fucking does it in the animated film. I'm like, see ya but it's their characters it's their right i just i'm not the guy who's who's clamoring for that but i do understand and appreciate uh murphy's thought process of dc's giving me not exactly carte blanche but giving me very little impact on the way that i want to tell this story i'm telling it the way that i want to tell it and other than a couple of things here or there that make sense for their business they're pretty much hands off I appreciate that because you want the creators to have the ability to tell a story in the way they want to tell it. You still have to protect your trademarks, your stable of characters. You have to say, hey, when you're done telling this Batman story, we still have a bunch more years of telling Batman stories that we have to kind of keep in line. You can't fuck this up for everybody who's coming before you and after you. But for the most part, yeah, you, you say, sure, come in, tell the best story you can. You know, we'll we'll fiddle with the things that only absolutely have to be fiddled with. But for the most part, we're trusting you to tell yeah. a good tale. And but, and so I think that's great, which is fine. I'm, but I'm not into it, but I, I, I get it. And, and that's understandable. And I think it's like you look at Sean, Sean Gordon Murphy. He comes from the creator owned side of things a lot more. So he's he, like. He was worried himself with this when he, I think when he originally pitched them the idea or they got, however it came about that they were going to cut back a lot more because, you know, in the, in here, the, with the changing of the timeline, there's specific stuff about the death of Jason Todd that they tweak further um, that, that I would have to reread to catch because I, I think I've missed that part or it's coming it's up. It's not really weird part. because like you said, it's an Elseworld story, right? Yeah, but even then, it's one of those. It's sort of like one of those things that there are some things that he felt like that it wouldn't like that that would still be a same same thing. It's I don't know. It, 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 no, I was, I can totally understand because you know you you go into your your job and you say, hey, I've got this really great idea. Uh, we're we're making this uh, Han Solo movie, and you get fifty percent into it, and then somebody comes down and says, the fuck you doing? Uh, and you're just like, dude, did, did you not read the fucking notes? I gave you a spreadsheet and shit. So yeah, I, I, I totally 
it should never be. And and and, and I, I don't have a lot of professional experience of comics. Just a smidge. The the barest amuse-bouche of, of making comics. But it should never be a surprise to an editor what the fuck you're doing on a book at a company of this level. You know, yeah. if, if, you, if you're in, you know, I wouldn't even say in fucking bongo comics or or boom or anything or fanographics i think that you should have some sort of expectation of like yeah they're reading this with a somewhat fine-tooth comb to see is this the right thing for us to even be funding so yeah i think you go yeah um i so i'm, I'm writing about the joker and i'm writing about batman batman's gone off the fucking rails we're okay with it right yeah you know sure yeah okay cool 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 Write that down. And there's two Harlequins. There's two Harlequins now. So this will keep people who are purists, Harlequin purists, from getting all pissed off because the the other one, I'm going to just make an outright gutter slut, which is a it, word she's... Matt taught me. I, I, no, I know. I know. And, and believe me, I, I don't have any problems with the character exploring their sexuality, female, male, whatever. That's all great. Again, I, I don't I don't dig it. But uh, sure you know that so so yeah you've got you've got real pure harley and you've got uh, modern harley likes to to spank it and that that's all okay so again editors fine with that i i just i don't i don't think you get four issues in and be like wow i can't believe they're letting me do this have you been getting checks you, you've been <laughs> cutting the checks every month i feel like if, if you if you got your pay then you know they're all right with it um no, no, hold, no, hold unless on, everybody's just like you're, turning you're, their heads and coughing as you walk past and, and just whistling nonchalantly saying hope the people above me don't see this shit you're 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 misinterpreting timeline here it's not he's four issues in and holy shit they're letting me get a, they're letting me get away with it this is as he's writing the you know issue one and he has the layout for the whole eight issue run of this first series expecting a lot more that they're wanting to like he's just he's answering questions like the question was um how much did dc interfere with white knight and he he came back hardly none i essentially have full creative control i only had to edit for swearing and nudity so basically meaning he has to do the comic book version of swearing with the symbols and then creative cuts for the nudity essentially all right that's that's fine and, he, and the nudity part he's like like the people brought had mentioned up after that like well is there going to be a director's cut where we get or you know another version and he had said maybe if dc will allow it like say i assume that they'll just stamp right on the cover snyder cut uh because that <laughs> is, that's yeah. what everybody that will sell like fucking hotcakes to 12 people uh yeah, and, and, and then the other side of things is someone asked do you have plans for volume two you know because people are loving this i'm you know i'm loving the story and you know because it is an interesting tale of you know, because we like I talk very poetically about Batman and Joker, how they are yin and yang to each other. And it's like, what happens when those are flipped on, you know, where Joker is the good and Batman is the evil as it's just happening? You know, we're right here at that just past the intersection of them both being good and evil. And so he's like, yeah, I have plans for both volume two and three. And I'm like, I read that. And I'm like, sweet. That's like more white knight coming up here there you go but yeah and then the final bit of news is that blue ribbon content has set up a conan o'brien comedy and a critters adaptation as go 90 series now go 90 for those of you who do not know because you live outside of america or you've never even heard of it is verizon's digital tv thingy that they put with yeah. their phones 
as two people who are in America, we're like, I don't fucking know what Go90 is. Yeah. I don't understand how this shit even fucking exists. But now I have to. You, you, you'll probably notice it because it's one of those uh, apps that's installed on your phone when you get a new phone at Verizon. All right. And you open it like one time and then you close it. But anyways, the first one is a live action comedy, Golden Revenge from Conan O'Brien's Conoco LLC. And the other one is Critters, A New Binge, um, a series uh, adaptation of the cult classic feature film. Both of them are live action. And go, uh, basically real quick, Golden, Golden Revenge follows three pets out to get even with the people who left them for dead in a heartwarming animal tale that quickly turns into a quest for bloody vengeance. Tom Stern will direct in addition to co-writing with Josh Gardner, and they will both serve as executive producers. Now, Critters, this is one that, because Beat picked this for you, essentially. So explain Critters to people. All right. Critters was a series of movies uh, started out in the 80s and had four films. I haven't seen all of them. I've only seen the first two, but they they kind of continue on. Uh, these alien creatures escape to Earth. Uh, they're all little furball bastards. It's kind of like Gremlins, except maybe even more violent. And, and people, I think, forget how violent the first Gremlins was. But they, they have these pins. They look like sort of little bowling ball porcupines. And they shoot these spikes out of their necks, and the spikes will drug a person. And then they just eat everything. They just eat things to shit. And these alien bounty hunters follow them down to destroy them. So the critters are out there wreaking havoc. And the alien bounty hunters, who don't really know much about Earth, are kind of fucking shit up too. And uh, it's a fun series. Uh, it ended, I think the fourth one actually has Leonardo DiCaprio in it. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to get through the rest of it. We did the first movie on pot not too long. Well, not too far into our, our starting the show. And we keep threatening to get back to the rest of the series. I own all of them. So this <laughs> is a return of the story. And it it's written as in it's a re- the critters return to Earth to re- search for one of their kin. So it sounds like it's a continuation. And that was part of the thing that I liked about Critters is that from at least from the first movie to the second movie, there are characters that come back. It follows the story of, of some of these, uh, the bounty hunters in particular, but some of the family and stuff from the first one. The kid who, not kid anymore, but the, the kid from the first Critters uh, is played by the same guy who does Steve Smith's, and is on the Orville now. He's the, and the, went on uh, to be an ER, I think, too. Yeah, I, I um, isn't he the, uh, the redhead? Yeah. Yeah. So he was, he was I, in Critters way back when. I love the movies. They're, they're very funny tongue-in-cheek humor with the the over-the-top violence and weirdness of alien creatures and stuff and uh and they speak alien language and sometimes you'll see them swear and it it doesn't get covered over because dc had no involvement in it and it's just they're a good old time so i'm looking forward to this in in the way that i hope it's it's good i don't know how much to expect from it but critters weren't like big hit movies but it, it could go the same way as like the Tremors TV series or the Tremors movies did. Yeah. And that would be fine with me. You know, it, I, I just I'm glad that the property's still getting some attention. So the uh, to give some stats here for it, uh, Jordan Rubin, John Kaplan and Al Kaplan will write and executive produce. Jordan Rubin will also be directing Rupert Harvey and Barry Opper from the original Critters film franchise will are producing and the series is produced by Abominable Pictures in association with Blue Ribbon Content for Verizon. This is expanding their uh, Verizon and Blue Ribbon Content's relationship because they had they started with the show Now We're Talking, which was a live action sports themed comedy and that was renewed for a second season. 
And then there's also the original digital feature, Good Girls Get High, that was an Aloy Entertainment production, or which will premiere on the streaming video service later this year. But yeah, so, I mean, this is really cool. I just think, you know, new ways of content getting out there is great. That's ultimately what I think things are going to go to. Yeah, but questions that still need to be answered are, what is this service cost? Is it only available to Verizon subscribers? Is it only available on Verizon devices? No, uh, can I get to this for through my Roku? Is my question. So to answer some of those questions, I believe it is free. It is like like free ad support deal. It's pre-installed on Verizon, where I think you might get the commercial free version. And I could I could be remembering completely wrong. And but it is just a regular app you download from iTunes or uh, the Google Play Store or you know the Amazon. But you know you, you wherever the app you store you go to is at. And I forgot your last one, but I don't know. Uh, looking <laughs> to see if they'll put it, put out a Roku channel so I can actually watch it on my the, television without having to stream through like a Chromecast or something. And I don't see that so far when I look it up. It looks like it's been requested, yeah. but hasn't happened yet. And so it, it, at that point in time, it, it's about the same as when Community went over to Yahoo, except Yahoo actually had a Roku channel. Mm-hmm. It just didn't work very well, and I tried to watch their space show. And that's, that's the tough part is you make a show and you put it in a place where people aren't even going to know to look to find it. Is it setting you up for failure? Is is having Conan O'Brien be involved going to promote this thing in a better way than it has been? Because like I said, it, I've heard Go90 because I'm, I'm a person who looks at weird channels and stuff, but I don't have a, much familiarity with it beyond, beyond the name and that it's associated with Verizon because I haven't had any reason to go look. And I have yeah. a Verizon phone. You know, it, it, it's something that's available to me, but it's looking not. Through, yeah, looking through this, it's like they've got some good content on here, um, different channels and all that. Yeah, but remember Powers was on the, the PlayStation. Okay, but see, here's the difference, though, is that it was like Power, this was Powers was trying to start it. Like they were, the, what you're referring to, it was them starting with original content. With this, a lot of it is digital stuff, you know, using YouTubers and stuff like that but then you also get espn it has stuff on here you can watch every episode of veronica mars so you know if you're one of those people who likes to binge watch shows that you were watching um before you can do that again Um, i would say yes to that except i think i actually own all of veronica mars yeah well but see here's the thing my friend owns all of smallville on dvd he when it came to Hulu, they started rewatching it again, and I'm like, right, because it's right there. It's convenient. It's it's, it's in a service with a bunch of other content. Yeah. That's my thing. It's there's there's something about put it in front of me and I'll watch it. If I have to go spelunking to find your fucking channel and a way to get it into where I would want to watch things, that makes it tough and it makes yeah. it less enticing. You know, I yes, critters is something that I will try to get to that is the selling point for me as the weirdo horror movie fan that i am uh and with a specific taste in horror movies and my wife likes critters too so for us that will be important yeah but for a lot of people it will suffer in obscurity because it's not on hulu and it's not on netflix or amazon it's it's something that is it's too many hoops but i i think part of this though is also a little bit of a generation thing because, like I said, a lot of this is geared towards the younger people. I, I geared towards younger on, people again. Who, who geared towards younger people. Here is a franchise that was hip in the eighties, kids. <laughs> you know, that's. But I'm talking about like all this. Like Conan O'Brien, he knows how to talk to the youth. <laughs> but, 
but what I'm saying, but what I'm saying here is like from looking through their content, this is obviously not geared for people who will be sitting in, in their, like in their chairs, watching the TV with it. It is geared for people who are sitting on the train or, you know, on the bus going about, you know, around town and and watching it that way. It is a drowning property because what those kids watch can be from anywhere. And they have so much wealth of options in that case Mm -hmm. between YouTube and Vimeo and, and just fucking people masturbating on websites, whatever the fuck you want is out there already. So like what, what says, but today I have to check out this show about pets who are so angry that it sounds like they're pissing on people. Is that what the show is about? Are they so mad that they're, cause it's called golden something. I like, maybe that's a better retriever. I don't know. It just, that messy just sounds messy. Like I'll watch a, a movie about monkeys flinging their crap at people. Cause you know, I know what's hilarious, but pissing you know it's not like i'm running for president and and i'm hanging out in russia so i you gotta have standards yeah all right speaking of standards we have none that's why i'm going to shamelessly plug how you could support us you can do that by going over to gncasts.com support and on there you will find our a link to our patreon page it is basically direct funding patreon takes a cut of it but whatever I mean, I, you know they gotta eat too uh, but it'll take you over to patreon.com slash galactic netcasts where you could support us for as little as a dollar a month. We're not doing a per post thing or per episode or whatnot. It's just a monthly charge. So you can do donate as little as little as a dollar as much as you want. And you know, help us out. GNcast.com slash support. And it is on to the else views. This is the portion of the show where we talk about the TV shows that we have been watching over the past week. I say TV shows because Corey doesn't have anything, and I've, I'm have i going to talk about two TV shows. You didn't come up with anything last minute, did you? No, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go something really quick. I have fallen down, as we were talking, uh, YouTube holes, and uh, one of the things that I've been introduced to lately, I, I'm, I'm finding some new bands, I'm finding some, some, some hap tunes, and uh, there's this band that I discovered just recently uh, named Charlie Bliss. And, and Charlie Bliss seems like a 90s band. They're very evocative. A lot of people compare them to Weezer, and there's certainly guitar sounds and stuff in there that reminds me of Weezer. But because of their singer, uh, I believe her name is Eve or Eva, very much reminds me of Letters to Cleo, which I know me and Ben from Parks and Rec are the only people who know who the fuck Letters to Cleo is anymore. But I really dig their sound. Uh, they've got album out called Guppy, and they had an EP out before that. The EP is cute because there were three songs. And if you check out their videos, it tells a whole story of this kind of nerdy guy who's trying to win the affections of this girl who, who's played by the singer away from her dirty scuzz boyfriend. And it, it goes through the storyline in the three songs slash videos. But the rest of their stuff, they've got a few releases for the new album. And it's all just really fun. It's kind of like alternative pop sound with, with heavier grunge sensibilities into it. it. It is very, very 90s music. Uh, if you liked that kind of stuff from before and you're like, man, I, I've heard Pinkerton. I, is that even the name of a fucking album? So many times. Uh <laughs> Then can I can I get something else? Can I can I can I get more than just Aurora Gray Alice? Yeah, you can. There, there's there's new bands that are still doing that aesthetic, 
and making making great stuff. Another thing they did, which I absolutely love, and and I will suggest that you go search for it, is they did a live performance of the entire soundtrack for Josie and the Pussycats, which the music for Josie and the Pussycats, every time Josie was singing, they used the voice of Kay Hanley, who is the singer from Letters to Cleo. So they know their aesthetic. They know what they sound like. And so you get the whole band is up on stage and all dressed up as the Pussycats performing. And they do the whole album. And all these kids are sitting there listening like, hey, this is a good song. What is this? And and someone's got to say, oh, it's from the Josie and the Pussycats soundtrack, <laughs> which had Rosario Dawson and Tara Reid, of all fucking people, and is great. You know, again, I, I had that soundtrack because I really like Kay Hanley and Letters of Cleo. But it was just good kind of like poppy music. It, it was kind of similar to Spice World and in a lot of ways. I think it actually predated Spice World. Very fun band. Great, great sound. Great aesthetic. Very talented. I've I've been enjoying the hell out of them. So that's that's it. Go check them out. Yeah, Spice World came out in 97. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats came out in 2001. Oh, I was way off. Yeah, just by like five years. And, but it was <laughs> a bad five years in general. <laughs> yeah, but the... so. Corey, Corey, I'm going to ask you this. Do you watch the TV show Blackish? I do. I, do? Okay. I, I, I've gone more into it as it's gone along. Mm-hmm. I, I think the I didn't expect to like it as much as I do. And I think the kids in that show are extremely talented. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and I like Anthony Anderson a lot. I am kind of in love with the one who plays his wife, Bo, who is Diana Ross's daughter. She is terrific. Lawrence Fishburne as the the grandfather and everything so good the more that i like tune into it and i don't want to get overwhelmed with a bunch of sitcom stuff and everything and, and abc shows but like i i keep jumping into that one i keep going back and like yeah man blackish is really good really good oh yeah and it's it's one of these things that like they did for the premiere for this for this season they did a hamilton-esque episode where it was it was it was a musical and nice they've yeah they've done all these different things that i'm like all right this is really cool this is really good at what they're doing here and larry wilmore is a uh cons- i believe a consulting producer for blackish and the first show i'm going to be talking about the oldest zoe has her own spinoff this is called grownish it's created by Ke- uh, kenya barris who created blackish and this follows zoe the like i said the oldest daughter in college um, it, it's it's the different world to Blackish's. Yes. I don't want to say the Cosby Show, but it is a Cosby Show, uh, which yes. in its time was a great great show. It's, in hindsight, we have some problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Anyways, besides, but like getting past that. So the cool thing with this is it features a lot of people that we've seen before. And in, in well, okay, I say a lot. There's really it's really three from the Blackish world. So you have Dion Cole who plays charlie doing a double duty he is on both shows now like full-on series regular both shows <laughs> or well i don't think he's series regular on blackish but you know he's used to where he's almost ser- like they might as well just bill him series regular but you have the actress who plays zoe stepping down a little bit from blackish because you know they wrote her off into college now and then um you have the love interest from when she was doing the college tour in here as well this show is really good. It's a good growing up as well. 
because this is done by one of the production companies is the same production company that that's doing marvel's runaways and actually all the abc properties that don't air on abc network and i'm blanking on it it's like abc signature studios i believe is what it's called and part of what this means with it being on freeform is you hear zoe swear you hear these people actually swear and that, that took me aback for a second because i'm like all right this is a spinoff i'm expecting you know a similar thing they've done enough to change the styles so you're still it's still being told through like you have the narrator like you have with andre johnson on blackish but it's zoe and instead of just the voiceover thing it's actually she pulls a ferris bueller or a zach morris and actually speaks to the camera and stuff like that for for good effect it's not just like time out and talk to us it's in the like they've aired three episodes the second episode she's crushing bad on uh the love interest aaron and you uh you hear him you, you see him talking to her and he invites the group but she thinks it's just her to pizza after this uh thing this art gallery thing and you see her go like as she's like this doing getting the reaction shot and you just see her go look to camera look like, you heard that right it's all stuff that adds a little bit of humor, but it's not, it doesn't take away from the story. And it's really good. Also, really funny with how they're doing all this stuff. Doing, you know, there there will be some comparisons to like what was the Cosby show spinoff, uh, Brave New World, World or a different world. There will be some of those, which I don't, you know, I mean, you take apart, apart the Bill Cosby doing the things that he did outside of the show aspect of it. I think that's a good comparison. Yeah. Well, um, it, it shows. It shows the the young character growing up. It it touches on a different audience. It touches on different themes than what yeah. you get in a family style sitcom. To uh, especially life right now, being a young person of color in America, it's a really challenging time. And while they could go into that in Blackish, and they obviously do the the Trump election episode uh, was a very very good example. Yeah. This approaches it from the youth perspective, because I think as adults, we're inherently cynical mm -hmm. and that cynicism is funny and, and has its place. Absolutely. But I think the young still can approach things with more hope and can look at the impact that they can make change in the world. At this point in my life, I want to be someone who helps affect things to be better going forward for, you know, the youth of tomorrow and everything but i think the youth of tomorrow has much more power in that than i do and yeah. have much more time to they have the long game and i have the short game even yeah. if we're both playing for the same team and we're on the same side looking for the same results i can't do as much as they're going to be able to do and unfortunately i've been kind of conditioned to think like many people have that what kind of impact can i really make but when we see change happen it seems to happen because of the young it's it's yeah. the young getting out and voting when when that isn't always the case it's when they do holy shit you know it seemed like the vote just flipped in a way that people didn't expect it's yeah because they cared because we entice them into caring about this and they did this when they don't when they stay home that's when things kind of continue down the the bad course so it allows for different stories it allows for different viewpoints and a different tone it sounds like and i think that's very exciting uh, i hope what happens what happened with a different world doesn't happen with this show which is in a different world lisa bonet left 
really fast. Mm -hmm. I, I think she was only in the first season and then she disappeared and it became a show about all these other people had nothing really to do with the Cosby show at all because she just, she was young and she decided to do some other stuff and she didn't really want to be associated with the show anymore. I don't know all the ins yeah. and outs of why. We also lost Marissa Tomei, uh, who like I discovered on that show and obviously went to great things after yeah. that, but it's like, man, that was a big change and suddenly Whitley was the the character that we were supposed to root for when she was the she was the the foil to denise in the first season so yeah. it was it was a weird shift so but it's kind of like going from scrubs to the final season of scrubs where it's all about the student doctors yeah I mean, so i mean here's here here's sort of the, uh, the other part i'll, I'll like to expand on, on the difference between grownish and blackish because you you are right where they're able to focus in on it like like the trump election special where Actually, with any of them, with any of the issues, it's hard because you're you're hitting through, you're going through the eyes, you know, of the dad, and then you get the B and C plots through, um, you know, and even the D plots through the other, you know, the other members of the family. So it's you know there are weeks where, and even I think even you know early on half a season where you didn't hear any really anything from Zoe. And I'm like, what the heck? I mean, you have this, where, where is she at? You know, you're just missing this one character. So to do this, it's there. The, like you said, the stories are going to more focus in on this specific section. And I mean, I could even see them possibly going a similar route with junior in a couple years when his character graduates and then he comes into grownish um, possibly as well. It's interesting because you're going from a, you're going from two ensemble, one ensemble to another, where one ensemble it's this diverse in age to grownish, where it's diverse in backgrounds. The first episode, <laughs> so Charlie, he's an adjunct professor, take like teaching this class, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like it's it's one of those things like like because I'm right here at this border, like like it's it's like the Britney Spears song, I'm not a, not a girl, not yet a woman, sort of thing, like. I'm a little too old to be in with that crowd, but I'm too young to be in the grownish or the blackish crowd where I'm the parents and all that. It's like, I'm like right here in the middle and I'm like, wait, is that an actual course where it's like, like, like a marketing thing and drones and then it's, it's a midnight class and they got to go through talking about like saying why they, why they picked this class. This is all the pilot. And then they all give their different stories, like all six of them give their stories as to what was happening. And it's where you get the different backgrounds of the one of her best friend, like quickly becomes a best friend in here. She's a Jewish lesbian who missed sign. Basically, all of them missed signing up for other classes, but she she got distracted by a pretty woman. And then they started making out and then they all end with like the the magistrate or the admissions room door shutting down. Another one are it's uh, p twins who are track stars, like they're on a scholarship and all that stuff, and they have this front that they got to put up and creates funny jokes later on. They miss it because of uh, a weird reason, and then there's an Indian guy student in here, and he missed for all these other reasons. I'm trying to keep it b vague because partially I forgot some of it, but other also it's like I don't want to spoil what I remembered. I mean, you're seeing all this and it's like, okay, we're getting a more diverse story here. It's not just, all right, they're all black. They all have these issues, you know, like that Netflix well, it's show. It's not centered on a family. No. Yeah. True. It's not centered on a family. 
uh, like I was mentioning, it's not like the Dear White People show on Netflix where it's like still a comedy, but it's like here's why we're right and you're wrong aspect. It's here are our problems that we have. Let's go through it while while our teacher is playing with a drone because Dion Cole is hilarious <laughs> in that regard. The other show, which I actually watched a week before it aired, thanks to the winter premiere on Hulu, because Freeform, formerly ABC Family, has a big partnership with Hulu. Like I don't, they don't advertise their website at all when it comes to watching on-demand videos. It's like they advertise their app, and then it's Hulu. And the other one is called Alone Together. Now, for fans of At Midnight, you might remember the comedian Little Esther on there. Yeah, I remember Esther. Esther P, uh, P, I'll just go with P because that's her the initial for her last name because it's that that right there, what you just said. Um, she was also on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend this past season, but she's created, I think she's created, but she's starring in this show called Alone Together. And it's, I actually, I'm going to look up, see if it is created by her because it seems very autobiographical. Yeah, like, almost like auto- one of the co-creators. Uh, so is so Benji Flello. Who is the other star of the show? Yeah, it, it seems like it's they're hitting on a lot of the stuff that they go through. It's also executive produced by The Lonely Island by Andy Samberg, Akiva Schaefer, and uh, Jorma Tacone. And basically, you have there two young people in Hollywood who don't fit the the norm of you know being beautiful and all this stuff, and they're 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 really young, and so they're just like best friends and it sort of backfires because people think they're dating or they're married but they're just that level of friends where you could you know you could pick on each other like you like almost like brother and sister in that way really hilarious oh god who is I, I, there was someone in the pilot that i'm like oh that's cool they got him to be in the pilot as benji's older brother and i'm sitting here going okay this is great i love seeing this ginger gonzaga's in here as benji's sister but i mean it's again really funny i'm love i'm loving the show just because of the fact that you know it just seems like we're hitting oh uh, crystalia is his brother his older brother like they're staying at his house and all this stuff and they have this party i'm sitting here i'm watching this and i'm like man this would be me except i'm it'd be because i'm like bigger than everyone else than and not in the muscular way but it's it's one of those shows that i relate to way too easily I highly recommend them both. They both air on here in the States. They air on Freeform on Wednesday at 9 p.m., I believe. 9 and 9.30. It's grownish then uh, alone together. And I, I honestly say check them both out. These are strong mid-season premieres. Granted, it's Freeform, so it would be the half-season, eight episode in the spring, then eight episodes in the fall, then eight in the spring, eight in fall sort of deal that they do with all their shows. But I, I honestly really like this. I like, I like both these shows. I think they're great. You know, getting away from the whole hour long freeform thing that they had, that they've had going on from since it was ABC family. So the elsewhere's is a black widow movie is gaining traction over at Marvel. Um, we joked about it last week with red sparrow. And we were talking about this before, before the show that Jack Schaefer is writing the script and she's a up and coming writer who broke out with her Blacklist script. And this is not the TV show Blacklist. This is the Hollywood uh, list of movies that are, or scripts that are really good, but haven't been made into movies for a script called The Shower, which is a, a comedy about an alien invasion during a baby shower. And it caught the eye of Anne Hathaway. 
She's she's the writer of the upcoming movie Nasty Women that is a remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh yeah. Uh, but gender bent, which I'm sure the internet is just going to love that they took a beloved <laughs> movie that started two dudes and then put two women in the roles. But I was trying to figure out because I don't know her work. She is unfortunately probably right now most well known for being the uh, the screenwriter for Olaf's Frozen Adventure, which is the Frozen short and by short, I mean way too fucking long movie that they put in front of the, the recent Pixar movie Coco that all the kids screamed and got pissed off about because they were there to see one movie and this other thing started up and wouldn't shut up for 25 <laughs> minutes. And so Disney had to apologize and remove it from the fucking front of the film. Not her fault. It's not a comment on the quality of the movie. It's just kids got a goddamn short attention span. Don't give them a half hour before it starts to what they actually came there to see. That's dumb shit. Kids have to pee. All that said, so she's been announced as the as as putting together a story for a Black Widow movie. It's not greenlit. It's not a sure thing. Uh, it is what I like to call vaporware in the superhero <laughs> film universe uh, until it's not. But it's a step. It's a step in the right direction. Now, this says a couple of things. One is fucking finally uh, Marvel. But two is that, that that means that we can get a Black Widow movie potentially after Avengers 3 and 4. Yeah. Which is kind of a statement in and of itself of now it could be a prequel. It could be something that happens in inside of the, those stories, it could be something before Captain Marvel we know is going to take us into the past. I've heard rumor that Avengers 3 and 4 may actually be in some ways a time travel movie. I don't know how true that is. I think there's a lot of people like us who speculate on this stuff and just kind of throw shit on the internet and see what happens. Because if one bit of it is right at the end, I get to say I fucking told you so. It, it's still kind of a big deal while it won't be the first female-led Marvel movie, presumably because I think we've got a, a date set for when Captain Marvel is supposed to come out. And it's people filming right now. Yeah, and people have been clamoring for, well, you know, fucking New Mutants was pretty much done, wasn't it? And <laughs> now well, enjoy your 10-month wait. They're just slow-cooking it. I, I, it's good because people have been wondering why the hell there hasn't been a a Black Widow film or why there hasn't been at the very least a Black Widow Hawkeye movie because those characters have only existed in other people's films and the Avengers films. And they they both to me mm -hmm. seem compelling enough to get something, you know. I, I would have preferred a Hawkeye Netflix series and a Black Widow film or both of them, but it seemed like Hawkeye would would have been we could have gotten Jeremy Renner for a made for Netflix thing, but Scarlett Johansson belongs up on the big screen at this point i think she's she's definitely shown that that's yeah. that's her, now, her wheelhouse now what about a to get on with the movie things and i, I want to sort of correct some things that people thought about the whole Olaf frozen adventure what about a much like in the comics with them doing for marvel legacy they're doing the tales of suspense which is hawkeye and winter soldier with black widow what if it's a those three because or even black widow winter soldier because they've they've palled around in the comic books. They absolutely have. And Winter Soldier seems to have some story that finally goes away from from Steve, you know, but yeah. 
we all have our one true pairings. <laughs> but, but seeing seeing him be a part of the Black Panther movie, you know that there's potential there. Although when you watch the Black Panther trailer, very little of it has anything to do with the Winter Soldier. He may just be like cameo uh, in in what otherwise looks like just the most remarkable film. Basically, he just came yeah. up because he's Han Solo, frozen in carbonite in the background, in the in the Black Panther lair. As you just see, you know, he's just like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, can someone can someone put a blanket over my toe? My toe's cold. Uh, uh, he's in there uh, thinking, uh, go, just thinking. My nose has itched for three months. <laughs> Left testicle. Left testicle, please. Uh, <laughs> no, not with the gloves on. God damn it, T'Challa. <laughs> Yeah, and and in the comics they had a really good relationship uh, between her and the Winter Soldier slash Bucky when he was Cap for a period of time. Yeah, they really played with that, and they kind of sidestepped that in the movies because she had a history of being attacked by him before, but she doesn't at least let on that she has any interpersonal relationship with them. She treats it like, oh, we don't know who he is. Yeah, but it's possible because it's it's Tasha that she knows who he is. I think that's great. At the same time, uh, another part of this, it's not the same story, but it it kind of comes from the same place, which is Fox has picked Tim Miller to do or to develop, at least at this point, a Kitty Pride movie, which would be great if it came out well before Gambit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And this would be Fox's first female lead superhero film between their X-Men movies and their Fantastic Four movies, which don't count because who watches those? Yeah. Now, Kitty Pride played most famously by, please tell me her name because I'm just now suddenly blank. Ellen Page and she's the only one to play Kitty Pride. Dear sir, she is not. Kitty Pride has been played by three different actresses. Because Kitty Pride has a cameo in the first X-Men movie. She phases through the door in Xavier's office. Then she's played by another actress, a younger actress, in the second movie where she phases through the bed when Stryker's team comes into the X-Mansion to start pulling everybody out. And then they bring Ellen Page in to actually give her legitimate gravitas in the role in The Last Stand, or what I like to call the worst movie. Although Age of Apocalypse is bad! And then they completely change what the character is when they bring Ellen Page back for Days of Future Past. Anyways, I don't, I don't imagine, <laughs> I don't imagine at this point that Ellen Page is coming back to play the character. Uh, it's probably going to be a like uh, everything that you know about it. We fucked up all of our cut news. It said doesn't matter. A lot of people are saying because when Kitty Pride was introduced in the X Men comics, she was thirteen years old. Wouldn't it be great to get Millie Bobby Brown to play her? I think that she could be excellent in it. I just, I have to wonder what the movie is, especially yeah. because we're looking at the potential for a spinoff of Logan with X-23, who is around that age range herself, or would be if that movie ever gets announced. Is this their version of what p- the expectation of Joss doing Batgirl is? What would this be? But it's still, again, it's the first announced movie of a single female character at a time where after Wonder Woman, yeah, it it seems like this, again, was a long time coming. And as many people probably already know, because I've said it enough, Kitty Pride is one of my two all-time favorite comic book characters, period. 
Yeah. So I have potential in the next couple of years to see a movie starring two of my two favorite characters. There's a Nightwing movie that's supposed to be coming out. There's also Dick Grayson is supposed to be part of the Titans TV series. And then a Kitty Pride movie potentially coming out. I yeah. am hesitantly jazzed uh, because <laughs> it's way too early to know what any of these things really equal out to. Yeah. But also with Kitty Pride, we could have a spin out or spin in with the New Mutants films because when New Mutants were introduced, it was age appropriate for Kitty Pride to go and be a part of the New Mutants. And that was the first thing that happened is once the X-Men all came back to Earth and they met up with Xavier. Xavier is like, hey, Kitty Pride, you're off the X-Men team. You're going over New Mutants now. And it was the famous shot of you open up the page and uh, Paul Smith had drawn Kitty Pride pointing at the, the viewer and saying Professor Xavier is a jerk, which is like one of those things is just beat into my head from being a kid. And and she she didn't. She kept calling them X-Babies. That was yeah. that was a thing is that she she never was very respectful to the new mutants, even though her best friend was part of the team, Ileana. So I I really want this to happen, but I want it to happen the right way. And I can't say what I think the right way is. I, I just wanted to be a good movie. And Fox in their their stuff has been more miss for me than hit. Even the stuff that I like, I kind of don't want to watch anymore because the X-Men films themselves just got so fucked up along the way that I, I, I can't retain any interest in it. Mm-hmm. So other than Deadpool and what the potential is for New Mutants, like I I didn't love Logan. I appreciated Logan. I thought it was a, a quality film. It just it didn't it didn't really interest me. But Wolverine has never really interested me that much anyways. But I can see that there's a quality step up in that from from what Singer has been doing. But it's just oh man, it could be great. It could be great. And Tim Miller doing it gives me a little bit more hope. I just, I need to kind of know why. Why did he choose Kitty Pride? Why is this a project that he thinks he wants to do? What is his vision for the character? What is the story that he's going to put the character in? What is her relationship to the X-Men at this point? What year does it happen in? Because all the history is way fucked. Does it have anything to do with New Mutants or not? Who knows? Yeah. So real quick, before we wrap up, I want to correct, well, not correct, but clarify some things with the Olaf Rosen adventure to go back to the first story. You really hooked on Olaf, are you? No, no, because people, people think that because they clamored about this, about the fact that they were doing this, that Disney pulled it. It did its run. It was only going to be like the first two weeks for Coco, then be pulled to later be broadcast on television, which it was Christmas, which it was. And I remember trying to watch it and going, I, I don't know what the fuck is happening. Yeah. I, I've and, never seen Frozen, though. Yeah, that's probably going to be part of the reason why. But anyways, so people think I was like, oh, because we clamored. No, it was Disney. That was their intention. But was, the internet won. Don't you understand? The internet won. We, yeah, we, yeah, I, we I beat can, the I system. Can, I can call my shot after don't I've you, already... Don't ever, you ever know that The Last Jedi was obviously a, a piece of shit, yet the most successful movie, yet horrible, yet everything I ever wanted to see? The internet won. Actually, no, I don't because I haven't seen The Last Jedi yet. You don't have to see it to have an opinion. It's the internet. <laughs> it's, it's why we're here. Corey, Corey, do me a favor. Lift up your right arm. Does it say bicep on it? Like the GoDaddy commercials? <laughs> I don't I don't know the GoDaddy commercials. 
there's it's uh, the commercials for GoDaddy. They have this guy who goes, "I'm the internet," and he's like supposed to be the internet personified. Like he has tattoos, like one on on one of his arms it says "bicep." Yeah, I think on the other arm it has the uh, shrugging. Oops. Yeah, yeah, okay, and stuff like that. And he's just like, like he's driving one of the commercials. He's driving on in his car with uh, with uh, never going to give you up. Oh, he's a human meme. Yeah, yeah. No, he's no, he's the internet. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, I say all that just just to say, you know, like with both of these, I, I am excited to see them when they come out. I mean, you're you're hitting a lot of things with the the Kitty Pride movie that. Are, do go around on on in my head but i'm like also ever the optimist where i'm like just make it good i don't like i don't really care when it takes place just make a good movie don't because kitty pride is one of my favorite characters as well and and the thing is is that as as much as i love kitty pride she's always been successful as part of a team yeah. or part of a, a team up the kitty pride and, and wolverine miniseries from the 80s you know it I've not seen her character do a lot of stuff on her own. I don't know what stories they would pull from to tell a quote unquote Kitty Pride movie versus an X-Men movie where Kitty Pride is a part of that or an Excalibur movie where Kitty Pride is a part of that. That that's the thing is I love the character, but some characters are better as a group because they they complement each other. And if you have Kitty Pride and you just give her an arbitrary team of mutants, then why isn't it Excalibur, why isn't it X Men or why isn't it X Babies or whatever else? Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, and, and the other thing I, I, I would say that I would add as a hope is because of the whole Fox Disney deal, that whatever they do with this, it is left open enough to where if Marvel wanted, they could pull out that actress, Tim Miller, you know, the writers, whoever, and bring them into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. At this point in time, it's worth thinking about how do we integrate as opposed to keep grading separate uh, or maybe they keep it separate. You know, the the long game of the X-Men and the Marvel Universe together, we already know that the Marvel Universe itself is going to have to reshape. It's going to have to change uh, because some of the actors are not going to be around going forward. It, it, it's not 100% that, but it's very assumed that because it's been a long time that they've been playing these characters. And, and so they're introducing new things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. At some point, sure, we can do stuff with this to have them all meet up, but that doesn't need to be soon. And if they just say, let's make some quality X-Men movies first and do it our way, yeah. but still let it be its own thing, uh, once you introduce mutants into the Marvel Universe, it's hard to not have mutants be in everything. And what they did in having Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch introduce is they were unique. There weren't a hundred other ones. In doing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and and introducing Inhumans in that, it's like the Inhumans, for worse, not better, were the mutants for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But the films don't want to deal with that shit because it's it's one, it, it causes there to be way too many capes. And we've already seen a giant run of all of them coming at the screen in the Avengers four preview or Avengers three preview. And and two, it's just like you can't go down the street without bumping into some inhuman somewhere. Uh, that's that's a hard thing to to sell. It, it just it takes the specialness away. So inhumans and mutants and all the other kinds of superheroes there are becomes too much. So I don't know what the long-term goal of having all those things crossover is. It, it's like having the Avengers meet the Justice League 
It's yeah. like, it's all cool in that one story, in that one context, but that you can't have it be like, oh yeah, we're in New York all the time. I don't know how we've never run into each other, Superman. You're absolutely right, Captain America. It seems kind of far-fetched and stupid. You know, you, you enjoy the suspension of disbelief once, but the rest of the time you can't just be like, oh, or like in the Marvel Universe when they put the ultimate, not the ultimate, the... uh the heroes reborn you earth on the opposite side of the sun so like the, the two the two earths are just spinning around and they never see each other and they both got their own moons and everything and it's just like no that's 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 fucking stupid that is just way fucking yeah. stupid nobody's buying into that shit but i i i i i do agree it would be nice it would be nice to to have them be able to interact i know that sebastian stan is is pushing really hard to get wolverine into a marvel property at some point so they can meet up and everything because she's he's friends with hugh jackman perfect world it would have always been that way at this point in time you know so, 15 years in so, so i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna say something pretty controversial on that part right there hugh jackman's come out and said he's done playing logan he's done playing wolverine i i sort of don't want to see him come back as wolverine yeah but the, he always said that he would play him again if he could play them play him with the rest of the Avengers. And so that's the question. Is it, is it the right thing to do? No. Is it fan service? Yes. Would it sell tickets? Probably. And that, that's, that's where you have to be very careful. That's where, that's where, again, we've seen Fahey has a, a good hold on this whole thing so far because he hasn't done things strictly for fan service. And in some ways, I think that's been to the detriment because we're just now talking about a Black Widow movie. But in other ways, it's been the right thing to do. And I, I hope that we continue to have that kind of respectful and intelligent thought process going forward. But it's it's like saying that there will never be a Marvel crossover with Star Wars. You know, at some point there's going to be because the people who are in charge of it now are not always going to be in charge of it. And the accountants fucking get power really fast because everybody looks at them to cut the checks. And with that, I only ex I only expect one way that that happens, and that is Pat Oswald's rant on Parks and Recreation. Yes. That is the all that is the, it. All roads lead to Patton. Yeah. But with that being said, Corey had her heart out 30 minutes ago. I did. So we are going to wrap up here. I didn't know how to shut up. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up here and we're going to wrap up by saying you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or emailing us mail at elsnerds.com. All of our subscription options and links can be found over at gncasts.com slash subscribe. It's also you go to look up on all the social networks for Galactic Netcasts and you will find the Galactic Network. You could follow the show on Twitter at elsnerds. You can follow our producers, Beatmaster80, Mr. Underscore Fusion, that is Evan Rockty, over on the Twitter, that is their Twitter handles. You could follow me, I'm over at that Gregor. You can follow Sean, he's at S. Burns PA. And Corey, where can people find the comics? I, oh, crap, I keep doing this. I always ask, and I know I shouldn't ask about the <laughs> comics, but can you please tell me about don'taskcomics.com? Worst kept secret in the internet, yet somehow still not getting a lot of views. Uh, go to donutscomics.com. Yes. That's where you can find the comics that I help publish for Levi Krauss and friends. Uh, you can look at the archives for Bowyar, for Levi's World, for Spells, for Strobe, for Shock. I can't even explain to you what the fuck Shock is. Just know <laughs> that you're taking your life in your own hand, checking it out. But yeah, donutscomics.com. Come right, visit. And the 
Yeah. And the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or else. Galactic Network Podcasts, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.